Welcome back to the Rage Rowdy Podcast. You're here this week with your host, Nikki T, and our special guest, Mr. Austin Mead. Hello, hello, Mike Chick. <laughs> uh, Austin's in town. He's been writing some some songs with some folks here in Nashville, and uh, we're going to talk today about his brand new record that's going to be dropping in a few weeks. You'll yeah. be hearing this right around the time that that drops. Yeah, yeah. We, um, we've got a lot of things rolling, so I've yeah. been dying to tell people. I just haven't been able to tell anybody too much yet. Yeah, so if someone's not familiar with your sound, what would you uh, classify it as? Uh, Work in progress, probably. (laughs) Yeah, no, I don't know. Um, We kind of talked about this last night. Yeah. Uh, We never really tried to be a country band. We never really set out to be one. It just kind of is how I think the early stuff sounded to folks, I guess. Um, But, like, the new record is 100% like, in my opinion, rock. Rock you know? and roll. Yeah. I've, I mean, I've always, you know, loved Tom Petty and Ryan Adams and stuff, but there's a whole lot of stuff on the new Black Sheep record that's more reminiscent of, like, Paramore, Incubus, um, Kings of Leon, yeah. like the heavier guitar stuff. And that's what we've always wanted to do, and it's like just trying to find your footprint along the way, Yeah, I think. But, like, this week has been a trip, because, yeah, we, we came... To town, me and um, David Willie, who's been in the band for a couple years, he plays lead and writes songs with me. And uh, we came in on Monday night and wrote a song with Job. Yeah. And then yesterday we went over to Tyler Bryant's house. Yeah. Did a studio thing there, which is pretty insane because I've been a fan of his for a long time, like five or six years. And we we got two absolute like face smash rockers out of that. <laughs> And then uh, we went over to a guy named Albert DeFiores. I can't. I, don't, I honestly can't pronounce his last name. I never asked him. Uh, DeFiori, something like that. Dude is really great. He's a genius. And we wrote like a freaking song that sounds like it's disco dance in the verses, and then the chorus is like heavy rock. So it's kind of like things of. There's not like one genre where I try to stay in because the song that we wrote with Job is almost like a John Mayer type. Yeah. Weird groovy chord thing. So there's been like three total different genres being written in three days so it's been fun yeah man it's it's cool to see uh i mean as as a consumer i enjoy when an artist does all of those things right like when they're when they're bouncing around their sound sonically and you know maybe you'll put stuff on different projects or however it works or you know maybe joe will cut that who knows but yeah that'd be awesome i hope he does um i think one thing that I, I like to I'd like to keep people guessing like every time I put out a record I'd like them to be like what fucking genre is this because I, I don't know yeah you know? and so uh, you know everybody can say rock or because we're from Texas everybody's like oh Texas band whatever but it's I'd like to keep people guessing you know f- forever yeah um, one of the things that I have been you know saying lately is if if I had a go- like a goal in mind would be like if you had a big old bowl and you threw Paramore, Incubus, um, Arctic Monkeys, and White Snake in there, and you mixed them all together. That's that's what I'd like to do. Yeah, is sound like that. You know? Yeah, 
So there's a lot of different influences coming from that. But um, lately I've been just like trying to open myself up to listen to more genres of music. Yeah. And this whole co-writing songwriting thing is brand new to me because I usually just write by myself or with Willie. Yeah. Or um, that's that's pretty much it. You know, they haven't had a lot of co-write things going. So this is totally new. Yeah. Um, and it's a different beast up here because everybody's like, got a setup where they're ready to do demos you know back whenever you're writing with your buddies around the campfire you usually do a phone memo and that's about it you mm-hmm. know but everybody up here's got at least uh set up to get you like a rough demo by yeah. the end of the day which is fucking cool like yeah. that's the goal i think for everybody and it, it like adds more depth to these songs like when we went to tyler's house yesterday dude dude already had drums set up with tones ready to go and guitars ready to go and bass and everything so we cut full songs two full songs yeah and uh i i didn't expect to do that going in there but then he's like yeah let's get this thing laid down i'm like oh shit man this is for real and and, yeah. and, and it's banging it's awesome i didn't know that was going to be such a possibility from the beginning but you know uh it's making me want to get on top of my game more you know yeah it just take some time to invest and get everything set up like you got here you know yeah, I mean, I'm still bootlegging it for sure, but <laughs> yeah, we're uh, we're getting there, man. That's what it's all about. I borrow some of Job's equipment, like Mike's, when, now that I'm here, because <laughs> uh, we're still, as you said, uh, we're all just trying to figure it out, you know. Yeah, it's a good roommate to have, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Somebody that knows about sound gear. Yeah, absolutely. Has probably more stuff than me for sure. Yeah. But man, let's talk about like where you come from in Texas, and you know, you talked about some of your influences, but maybe some more and you know, how you got into music originally? Yeah, um, I started playing music when I was younger. You know, I did the drum thing, but I, I really got into music because my dad. Um, my dad's always loved rock and roll, and not just one specific genre of rock, but, like, all over the spectrum. And he loves guitar shredders and good songwriters. Like, that's his thing, you know. And he lived in Chicago when he was young and then moved down to uh, South Texas because my grandpa got a job down there. So my dad was already kind of developed in his personality and stuff i think you i don't know exactly what year it was but it was around the junior high age when he moved so he already kind of had like a style you know and yeah chicago he had like bell bottoms and flashy pants and that was like the thing you know back then yeah and then he moved down to texas with a bunch of country fuckers that were wearing wranglers and boots and he's like who's this kid wearing bell bottoms and sparkly pants you know that's <laughs> listening to hair metal yeah um but he's always kind of kept that identity in him like he's a baptist pastor but you know we go we'd go out all the time and i pr- i probably saw just as many shows then as i play now because my dad goes to shows almost every single weekend yeah. you know he'll we were going to cynthia woods mitchell pavilion down in houston you know and down going down to corpus concrete street to see rock shows i saw judas priest there it was the loudest show i'd ever seen in my life i mean <laughs> you leave and your ears are just ringing, ringing. for days but yeah, we'd, we'd always go see shows, and that was my favorite thing was, like, going to the show and kind of getting lost in it, and I really became intrigued in, like, at first how good the drummers were, you know, because yeah. I was playing drums, and then I was like, oh, my God, these guitar players are amazing, so you, like, I, I like to, like, kind of investigate that, and when I was younger, it was more like experience the feeling something that i wasn't used to like whenever you're at a show and everyone's singing along to a song like you feel like one or like a big group you know yeah um it's almost like a church you know yeah and 
that's what drew me in at first, and then I got more interested in learning how to play everything, and it just kind of progressed along the way. And then um, in college is when I kind of started songwriting. I guess my sophomore, junior year, I went to A&M and College Station and graduated from there, but I started doing the full-time music thing and playing any gig I possibly could when I was there. Yeah. That's when I got my first van, so, yeah, I was like the kid that was, you know, in his early 20s or even, I think, might have been 19, I'm pulling up in a creepy-ass old Dodge van with, like, <laughs> designs on the side and shit, the old family wagons, so I gave up the life of luxury pretty early, but damn, those seats were comfortable, dude. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah just, uh, it was the kind of thing where I would just play as many shows as possible, I didn't care how far away they were, I would just go try to get in front of people and then have to drive back overnight a lot of times to make it back to class or you know to work all those kinds of things so i think it's just about at the beginning it was like just just like grind 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 as far as like in the shows yeah like try to meet people and try to drive everywhere and play as many places as possible yeah and i think that makes you better i mean it definitely does not i think but that makes you get better because you start to get used to like playing every night and listening to yourself every night and and honestly just being the hardest critic on yourself if the show sucked why did it suck and did could you control it and if you can then don't do that shit again yeah so I, i've always like wanted to be a better me I've, all, I've always been competitive you know when i was a kid i was a kid that was way too into the sport way too into the game you know and that turns a little bit introspective i think as you get a little bit older, or I think it should. That's what happened yeah. to me. So I'm always trying to get better at songs, better at guitar, better at making friendships and just relationships in general. Better at I'm terrible at remembering people's names, dude. I'm like the worst <laughs> ever. I'm, I'll probably always be bad at that. But I've always been competitive in the sense of I want to be I want to be the best at what I do, and I'm not there. But I think that thought keeps you like rolling forward and trying to kick ass and it doesn't let you get down on yourself for too long like you can feel down for a little bit about something but you got to get back up and be like fuck it there's no time for this people are hustling out there and i'm not right you know whether that be a you know you just feel shitty one day or a heartbreak or whatever it is right like i mean it's easy to make excuses and and not do anything and oh poor me yeah but really the thing that has pushed me is the exact opposite of that. It's like the only reason that I'm in the position I'm in is because I'm not good enough yet. I got to keep hustling. I haven't made the right song yet, you know? Yeah. And that's one crazy thing that I never understood listening to other people talk like Dave Grohl and everything. used to always say it always comes down to the song. And whenever I was starting out, it was like, no, dude, it's about like who you know and, you know, playing shows in front of so-and-so and like getting there. And those things all build up to it. But I can tell you now, like we'll get into details more here in a minute, but all the things that have happened to us over the past couple of months all happened because the songs were finally good enough. Yeah. That's what I felt like. Yeah. And that opened up conversations to like more possibilities, but if the songs weren't good enough to begin with, then like the conversation never gets started. Yeah. So. And I think specifically like the Texas scene, like that stuff can happen fast, right? You'd seen, seen meteoric rises of artists that, you know, couple months before weren't selling as big a rooms and it it happens quick yeah it happens quick and it's interesting to see whenever something like that does happen you kind of um 
there's a couple different routes that I've seen it happen. It's like some people get really big really fast mm-hmm. and they have the same band and it's like a committed brotherhood mm-hmm. and it takes them a while to actually like get good and tight on the stage. Right. You know what I mean? I, it takes years like with your boys to like figure out all the stops and the starts and the transitions and everything to make a seamless show. And I was used to seeing those shows whenever I was growing up because I was going to see people that were playing and to, you know, no, all the shows we went to were at least a thousand people. I mean, we're seeing right. big rock bands. Yeah. It shows that we're as big as 30, 40,000 people, sometimes even bigger at like the big festivals. And so those bands don't fuck around. No. You know, <laughs> like you can't show up to like a fucking rock festival and try a transition that you practice one time. Right. That just doesn't work, you know. But where we're at right now, there's whenever you're playing like bars and that kind of thing, especially at the beginning and doing opening spots, those are things you just take chances on and you just go for it, you know. And so, but it takes a long time to really get tight. So what I was saying before I got on that whole spiel is sometimes you see folks get really big and popular really quick where they're selling like thousand, two thousand tickets places, you know, which is fucking awesome. Like that, that's the shit. But then it's like the band's kind of like still stumbling along and you can get eaten up that way because if you do get a big opportunity to open for somebody that's crushing and like that's, and they're a good band, you open for them. And if your band's kind of half-assed, they're like, eh, you know, whatever. And that was your first impression. Yep. And uh, sometimes it is awesome to go and get, it feels awesome to go get those big opening spots in front of people that are selling places out. But I think it's a slippery slope too, because if you're not ready and your band's not prepared and you're not just crushing it, yeah, then that's going to be what those people are going to think about you for a long time. Right. Because you're probably not going to get another chance to play with them for at least a year. Yeah, until maybe they more. catch another show, and that might be, like you said, and a year, year and a half. They might already that. have that idea developed in their head that it yep. wasn't very good, so no matter what you do, you got to dig your way out of that fucking hole. Yeah. So that happens sometimes. I'm sure that happened to me. You know, I'm sure people were too nice. I've seen videos of us at the beginning, and it, it was fucking terrible. Like, I hate listening to my old records and shit because I just think that, like, I, I know what I would have done differently or, like, thinking that I should have just not scrapped that song or whatever. Right. You know? I think that's part of the the whole thing in growing, right? And that's part of what makes you great in the long run is, is those stumbles, right? Because then you know yeah. the next time when you come back, like, oh, here's what I would have done on that. So when you're writing another song or when you're you know coming up with another project, you're realizing the things that made it great for the time, you know, for you at the time and what you can do to get it to that next level. Yeah, I, I definitely would say no matter what you do, whether you're talking about music or, or you know, media or, you know, building houses, whatever mm-hmm. your thing is, I think you got to be competitive with yourself and you got to push yourself to want to do better than the last job that you did. Yeah. Whether that's putting in a floor, you know, writing a fucking song, yep. changing the oil, do it faster, those kind of things. Like that drive is healthy for me at least. Um, but it also is stressful and like eats you up whenever you're trying to always be the best of everything. It's nice to like sit back and chill, which is, which honestly, it, the way that this year's panned out, I, I never figured out how to chill until this year. Yeah. Like spending lake time and doing that whole thing. Um, you know, but, uh, I was going to say about the band stuff though, you know, you see that route where it gets big, big really fast and it takes the band a long time to get tight or you'll see like where somebody gets real big really fast off their name and a lot of times they'll just 
go and hire a band, you know, it's hired guns, which yeah. is fine. You know, it's just a different game. Yeah. It's like, how much money do you have and how long can you sustain that? Yeah. Cause if you're paying your guys, like what, if you're trying to go out and hire hired guns, you know, yeah. it's a different situation. They're not, they're not necessarily like down for the cause. Like they've already paid their dues and other things and they're here to like be a player for you right. and make you look fantastic. So you got to dish out the dough, Yeah. you know, and it's hard to get to that spot, you know, where the loyalty and the skill of what you need intersects. Yeah. So it takes a long time to line that up and get those players in your band. And then people's lives change yep. along the way. You've got people that want to go different routes and want to go do different different things. And I think the biggest thing for me is just like keeping my vision on what I want to be. Yeah. And not sacrificing left or right. Like, oh, I've definitely felt myself get pulled in different directions. Yeah. And I've let myself be influenced in ways in the past that I look back and I'm like, fuck, man, I wasted six months of my life on this investment or relationship or X amount of dollars, whatever it was, right? Because I let something just kind of happen, even though I knew that I didn't feel like it was right for a long time. I just kind of let myself drift over there. Yeah. So I've been trying to snap out of that, especially this year. And like, if it doesn't feel right, don't fucking do it. Yeah. You know, uh, not that I want to be like some kind of instinctive, just animal caveman, <laughs> you know, right. but I think it is healthy to really listen to your gut and conversation. And then if you get burned by something or somebody, it's like, hey, I tried and I I felt like it was right at the yeah. time. Like I didn't have any regrets thinking maybe I shouldn't have worked with this person, you know, because yeah. those opportunities only come around, um, you know, so many times. Yep. If not, you're going to be sitting in your bedroom your whole life. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think like just in our talks that we've had, I think your plan that you have for yourself, it's it's honestly inspiring to see like that you have a clear thought of where you want to go. You know what I mean? And, and, and maybe understanding that that will change, but I think more than a lot of people that I've talked to, you kind of have an understanding of who you are and kind of where you want your sound to be. And you're pushing towards that. So I think it's pretty inspiring. Thanks. Yeah, we're getting pretty close. Uh, I think the biggest thing that I try to base it around, and this shit changes every podcast, dude. I, I haven't done any, I haven't talked to anybody in a while like this, but yeah. I hear podcasts from like years ago when I was first doing the radio hustle and radio shows. And I'm yeah. like, why the fuck did I say that? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm sure I'll say the same thing in a couple years from something here. But for me, um, it's it's really about like the lyrics and the melody for me lately. I've been trying to focus on that because at first it's it's like okay, you want to have a great band and you always do absolutely, but right. you you might focus on the stuff that doesn't necessarily matter quite as much, like how fast can I play on guitar or how perfect does my voice sound here. But those things really don't fucking matter if the lyrics and the melody isn't good. Yeah. So um, this week especially has been you know like refreshing and eye-opening for me because I've been able to write with like three or four different people that are totally different backgrounds, don't yeah. know each other at all, right. different genres. Right. And out of every situation we've come up with a song where I've been like, fuck yeah, I feel good about that. Yeah. You know, so, but I think it's, it's mostly like the lyrics for me is what I've been focusing on lately. Um, especially since, you know, David joined the band a couple of years ago and he's got so many great guitar ideas that come out. Yeah. And now I have the freedom to like extend myself a little bit more with ideas and feelings because I don't feel like I'm stuck in the same guitar pattern that I was if it was just me sitting in a, in a room, you know. Yeah. It, a lot of times you feel like 
you play the same shit because that's your style. It's like over and over again. Why am I back in the same progression? Oh, this sounds too much like this song. But having a creative outlook like like David has been awesome for me. And and there was another guy that played for us before, Shane. Dude, he's so fucking talented. And I've just been really lucky with players. I think finding the right people is is hard. Yeah. And making a band and keeping the band together is we were just talking about this. It's one of the most fucking fragile things yeah. in the universe because you got, you know, three to four or five, maybe even six different people. Right. And there's, they have their own lives. They have their yeah. own opinions. They have their own style. They have their own creative input. And it's like a personal thing to throw yourself out there and write a, a good song because I think good songs are vulnerable, you know? Mm-hmm. So you have all these emotions and then they have their life and their relationships and, their house and car and pets to deal with. They're like so many things going on and you've all got to be unified in that through the scheduling and you've all just got to be committed. You got to be able to be like, Hey dude, we just picked up an awesome gig like in a short amount of time opening for so-and-so and and it's fucking 12 hours away. Can we make it? Can everybody drop their shit? Yes, we can be there. Yeah. And that's the only thing that's really kept us alive is having people like that in the band and, and doing it. Talented and committed, man. And that's, that's the, the hardest part is to find that combo, you know? I think you can get talented if you're committed enough to, like, yeah. being hard on yourself and Practicing learning. But and there's definitely some people with gifts that you're just like, what the fuck? I don't know if yeah. I could ever do that. Like, with Joe, we were talking about his voice. You yeah, know? yeah. That dude has some fucking pipes. Yeah. <laughs> and then with Tyler, um, Bryant, and his drummer was there, Caleb Crosby. Dude, those guys are rock and roll daddy machines, dude. They yeah. just, everything they lay down is just the fat groove you know <laughs> it like makes you go oh like right when you hear it and they're gifted in that like that's their thing dude they can hear the tone you know yeah this other guy's house that i went to he had some really good like groovy funky stuff he knew like where the pockets were and he was talented at like throwing shit together on the fly and kind of giving like a bass to just sing over yeah and some people's talent is just listening yeah and letting you do your thing but give you like an honest backboard yeah. Some of the most people, some of the most talented people that I get to work with, that, that like they might not even blow me away on guitar or anything, but the fact that they're able to be so honest, be like, oh, I think this is here, you know, yeah. and be open to hearing other ideas. I'm still working on that myself. It's hard to like not want to control everything whenever you're running the business by yourself for so long and yeah. you're singing songs, writing songs, being the guy, you know, going to the merch booth, selling the merch, signing the merch, all that shit. There's so many things to deal with. Right. Line up people's schedules and. Sometimes you forget to like listen to other people for a little bit. So I've been working on that, and I think I've been getting better at it, I hope. I don't yeah. know if my fiancé would agree, but <laughs> yeah. She's probably one of your toughest critics, too, I bet. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She'll be like, I'll send her something. She'll be like, um, I don't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> but everything I've sent her this week, she's been like, wow, this is new and refreshing and cool. So that, that's been a a cool thing. And again... Uh, everything we've written this week has been totally different genres. So you're yeah. like, where the hell is this coming from? Yeah. <laughs> but I think there's a way to tie it all together. Yeah. And man, I think it's, I think that is one of the things that makes a great artist great is the ability to tie those things together, right? Like specifically on an album that takes it from like singles to when you're putting a project together, making it a cohesive unit is definitely a talent, you know, and that helps with producers, but it also helps with the songs have to be there for that to be able to happen. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something that I didn't think about at the beginning. I was just trying to write for each song or for each like little moment within the song sometimes. Let's make the best verse possible. And you do have to, 
in the moment you want to be thinking about let's make this one thing as good as we possibly can. I do that with every line that I write. I tweet sometimes I sit there for 30 minutes on a line and uh oh dude, let me pull up these lyrics from today real quick so I can kind of give yeah. you an example. Uh, so song that we wrote today sometimes we we uh sit there and just mull over lyrics for the for the longest time. So we wrote the song today called Rather Be Lied To and uh the third verse this is so ridiculous but it's optimi- optimistic super modern truth brigade royal family of the plastic age 10 million dollars never worked a day carbon copies never look the same and that's why they'd rather be lied to so it's kind of like a fucking weird poem right yeah like, don't get stoned and listen to that yeah. <laughs> but i love that that's my favorite thing to do but whenever you're writing in the in the moment i try to keep the big picture in mind that's what i'm trying to say yeah if if my project is like for black sheep it was me being honest and feeling different and being like fuck it i'm not i don't sound like a country band you know right and just committing to it you yeah. know so that was my main idea for black sheep is just there's a lot of lines in there about how comfort is a hard drug because people get comfortable and then just do the same thing for 10 years and then you're like fuck that was a long time to do bullshit yeah you know so that was a theme through there and just the honesty and how people really don't like honesty because honesty is like an ugly thing sometimes. It's not yeah. always beautiful. So I was keeping those thoughts in my mind for Black Sheep, but with the next record after that, like I've I've already got a ton of songs for it and it's it's like a raunchy, dirty sex record that <laughs> refers to a lot of high school like memories and older stuff. Not that I was doing any of that in high school, but it's reminiscent of the music that I was listening to then while trying to kind of keep like almost a sexy vibe and be a little bit more scandalous, I guess. Yeah. You know, it's a, it, like I said, it's with the way that music is right now where it's so singles driven, it's cool to hear like overarching themes. Right. And I think that's part of what makes music special, especially, you know, music that you want to listen to the whole album of, or listen to all of the tracks on whatever the project is. That's why I love the Arctic Monkeys. And yeah. Alex Turner is one of my favorite songwriters. And it's like, he paints the picture so you feel like you're in the room or you can touch it and taste it, feel it, that kind of thing. You know, it's not just like describing some vague love bullshit that's in the air, yeah. which is so easy to do. Like, okay, describe your feelings, sure. But what fucking made you feel that way? Yeah. Like you're forgetting the word feel out of feelings. You think everyone is going to just relate to these abstract like n- things that you can't grab. Sometimes it can work. But for me, I like to try to like put you in the room, give you things you can touch and taste or smell and feel like yeah. the lace. Like if you're talking about a girl, you got to describe what she's wearing. How does... Like what? What is she? What is looking at her like do to your body? Like your heart? Does your fucking blood rate go up? You know, uh, whatever heart rate go up, blood pressure and all that shit. Uh, is she wearing fucking sparkly shit? What? What kind of lipstick does she have? I think those things paint a much more vivid picture in someone's mind than just describing fucking how much you love somebody because you love them. It's like okay, cool. <laughs> how many fucking times have we heard that? Yeah. And I think. With songwriting, too, it's also really fun to fucking offend people. Like, you say things that you probably wanted to say for a long time, but you never could in a friendship or whatever, a relationship, because it it would probably be the end of that, never talking to him again. 
but there there's a song called Cave In off of uh the new record and the first verse is just I wish that it was easy I wish that you could see me for who I am I wish that you would treat me I wish that you would fuck me like you gave a damn and then it just slams all this guitar in and that's so fun to sing live yeah I don't know where else you can sing those lyrics or you couldn't just say that to somebody really or you probably would never be friends with them again right but you can get together with your friends and sing those lines and it's like a unifying moment like oh I've always felt this way that's yeah. how I feel about it at least I'm sure not everybody's the same yeah but, I think that's again like you're talking like music is an outlet for everyone right whether you're making it or whether you're listening to it and consuming it right mm-hmm. as a consumer even if it's not something that you feel yourself, if it's something that you can see someone feeling or relate to the sentiment that that person felt when they were producing it, that's when it really hits home. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's a crazy thing, the way that music is therapy, and I think that I have to do it or I'd go crazy myself. Yeah. Because I got some crazy fucking thoughts in these songs. Go listen to <laughs> Payphone or Savannah or coming down or really anything there's a song called written in stone off of our 2016 ep um that was that was pretty dark and there's another song on there called feet on the floor which is about trying not to hang yourself like depression and stuff yeah so there's all these dark thoughts and i say that in coming down now there are too many dark thoughts inside my mind um or no what song is that on Shit, that's on the new record, sorry. Oh, There's one called Settle Down that's going to be coming out. And, uh, yeah, it talks about how I remember when we used to just get high, turn off the TV, and um, talk about growing up all night. But now there are too many dark thoughts inside my mind. You ain't 18 anymore. You're just something I can't afford. So I was trying to paint a picture with that. But that I could go off on tangents. But I love lyrics, man. Yeah. I love whenever people can make you feel something by looking at a black and white page. Yeah. That's something, right? Absolutely. That's fucking art. Yeah. And it's hard to do. And that's poetry. And when you put that to music and you can, you can consume that separately, right? So you can listen to it as a song and pay attention to the melody or pay attention to the instrumentation, or you can look at that lyric sheet or look it up online Yeah, and really dig into what is happening on that. Right? I like whenever you can Google the lyrics and you're like, oh, fuck, that's gross, that's nasty, yeah. that hurts me. <laughs> yeah. But you're just reading black text on a white page, you yeah. know? Yep. But you feel something from it. And yeah. that goes back to last night we were kind of chatting before we mic these things up about why I do this. And for me, it's I want something that... that is my legacy. Yeah. You know, I think we were talking about this this morning. I was yeah, hung over we were. shit on this yeah. couch. God, <laughs> hell of a day yesterday. So much fun. But yeah, I, I want to leave, for me, like music is my thing right now that I want to leave as my legacy. I want people to be listening to these lyrics in 50, 100, 150 years and be like, damn, I can still feel that or relate to that. Yeah. Um, and not that I give a shit if anybody thinks it's genius or not, for me, it's like an outlet where I like it's gonna outlive me, and I want to have kids and grandkids one day, and great grandkids, and have them go. Oh, dang, my grandpa sure knew how to fuck me up with lyrics. Yeah, you know that would <laughs> yeah. be awesome for me. Yeah, like imagine that. Not, not even that far in the future. Maybe thirty to fifty years from now. You know what I mean? Like that's a possibility to be having like kids, grandkids, and then imagine your actual legacy listening to your like musical legacy and 
enjoying it or getting something, some kind of thought out of it, you know. So, I don't know, That that's kind of a crazy, crazy thought and a crazy spiel, but to me that would be fucking incredible, you know. Yeah, man, I mean, I think that's what, if you're, if you're talking in life, like, everyone, that's why you have kids, right? To put that thing out in the world that yeah. lasts longer than you, right? Yeah, and, and I that's, think music is a great platform for that as well. That's what we were saying uh, earlier is going back to the, the beginning of everything for us. I don't, I don't have kids yet or anything. And so for me, like the music and the albums and the songs are my baby. Yeah. And I've added more stuff, obviously a full plate at this point, but especially at the beginning in college, I didn't even really care that much. I mean, I graduated in four years and got out of there. Awesome. Did my job, but, uh, like the music and the playing the shows is always like my, my real nurturing baby. Like, Oh, yeah. we, this is going to be my legacy. So I'm just, I feel really lucky now because things are happening now that I dreamed about whenever I was 10 years old. Yeah. 15 years old. Yeah. You know, even two years ago, I was still dreaming about this shit. Dude, what if I ever got to write with so-and-so? Yeah. And then now we're here. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's happening. It, it's, it doesn't even feel real sometimes, you know? And, can't tell if it is. And this is, again, like, you're here and you're working hard being in the room with people that you want to be in the room with now. So it's yeah. like, it's now it's level up, right? So it's... That's funny. That's that's what my dad texted me. He texted, I, I sent him some rough mixes that we did with Tyler Bryant. And yeah. I think I got my dad hooked on Tyler Bryant, like, probably five or six years ago because he's an amazing guitar player. Yeah. We both love that shit. Yeah. And I sent him those roughs and my dad was like, dude can't believe this so proud like level up son you know stuff like that <laughs> i like it. it's it's so true though yeah. you know those things just kind of happen and um i'm glad it's happening right now like these songwriting opportunities just from this week for me it reminds me that like it's it's about the song yeah it goes back to the song i was so fucking pumped about every single one that we wrote like they've all been stuck in my head i've been playing them in my ears back to them and and it's because it's not only me. There's like a touch of other influences in all of them. And it's yeah. like, damn, I didn't know that we could pull that shit out of our ass because we hadn't been in the room with this person before that had totally different life experiences, totally different opinions. Like they had no preconceived notion of what this was probably going to sound like or what progression we should do. Right. Shit just falls out of the sky. Yeah. You're sitting there and you're like, what the fuck? How do we just create something that, you know, if we record this, it's forever going to be there. Right. And somebody's going to be listening to this hopefully one day and be inspired by it. Yeah. Right? And if it's meaningful to you and the people that you write it with and your band, then it's going to be meaningful to other people that are listening too. Yeah. You know? as, as long, long as you can as get it to the right ears. As long as it's different than something that's been out before. Yeah. Right? If you're yeah. regurgitating the same shit, then it's like, okay, somebody's already saying that same fucking thing 20 times. Yeah. But if you say it in a different way, I mean, there's only 12 chords. Right. So you got to put them in play them in a way that's different than anybody else and that's why i love phrasing lyrics weirdly and kind of like changing with progressions is because i want people to headbang and sway at like almost every song that's a goal for me especially for the new record it's like i want a moment and almost every fucking song where we could call out a mosh pit and it would start yeah. or just a huge unison headbang of like just imagine just like 20,000 stoners out in the crowd and then they're <laughs> just like they come up on the chorus and just like boom head nodding all together that's some 311 shit you yeah know? 
some st- that's some Limp Biscuit shit, some Kid Rock, like that. That's how it goes, you yeah. know. That's that's rock and roll to me is whenever you get everybody to not give a shit what else is going on because they love that song so much, they love those lyrics so much that it means that much to them. They feel that fire inside and they're all singing along. Yeah, you know. And it, it, at that point, it has nothing to do with you actually playing on stage. It has to do with you being in that group and having that moment of like, holy shit, people like believe in this and feel the same way. And for me, it's like relieving, like, oh, yes, somebody's singing along to some shit. Like, okay, I guess it's not that crazy after all. Because yeah. sometimes you write shit down on a page and it's like, dude, I should go to a mental institution or something, <laughs> you know? Uh, but that's been with us that just started happening recently not the mental institution yet but (laughs) with happier alone we put that out on valentine's day this last year yeah and all of a sudden it was like oh shit there's like five times as many people ten times as many people listening yeah to stuff and getting hit up way more online which is awesome really cool to see um and yeah that i mean that song has honestly kind of changed our lives yeah, and it's all, it hasn't even been out a year yet, yeah. so there's a lot more coming to that. But like, I, I wanted to put that one out first off the record because Valentine's Day was coming up, and I was yeah. like, what better day to put out uh, "Happier Alone" than on Valentine's Day? Like, fuck those are it. the people that need it. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's, yeah. Like that's a it's an anthemy song about like, all right, we're gonna get through this. We're 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 fuck it. We're gonna make it through whether I need to or not. You yeah. know. I've had so many funny comments on our online shit. It's like some chick commented like, my boyfriend sent this to me to break up with me last week. Like shit like that. I'm like, (laughs) oh, fuck. But then, you know, some people will tweet and be like, I broke up with my piece of shit boyfriend because uh, I listened to Happier Alone and realized that, you know, something better was there. And that's when I'm like, hell yeah. Like, do you. Get some more experiences, you know? Yep. So, and... No offense to the dude, but sometimes dudes suck, man. Like yeah. sometimes we drag people down. Chicks do too. Mm-hmm. You know, it's on both sides. It doesn't doesn't matter. You know what sex you're talking about, but like you can get dragged down by people, and then you're unhappy for like a couple weeks, and then you're unhappy for like a couple months. Could be a job too, you know. And then you're yeah. unhappy for a couple years, and God forbid you fucking wait your whole life to get happy again. You yeah. Know? Yeah, it's uh it's cathartic in a way. Um, I mean, anytime something ends, it's tough, but music is such an outlet. Like we've talked about for so many people that a song like that specifically on Valentine's day, probably, probably the most timely thing you could do for sure. Well, we were talking about a similar idea whenever me and Joe were writing and and Willie on a Monday night, we were kind of started talking about, it feels good whenever you lose something that you love because like the pain for me, reminds me that like I did actually love something, and yeah. that there were good moments there. Yeah, I wouldn't cry over some ass clown. Yeah, you know what I mean. I would only feel something and really hurt for something that I loved and had like moments with. And it is, it's, it's painfully like beautiful. But for me, that's why I go back to music and and want to write songs. I want people to like get those feelings out or enjoy those moments, but like let them live in that song so you can feel that relief when you scream that song, right? Yeah. And you can go about your life and get take care of business, you yeah. know? But you can you can go back and revisit that feeling or that memory of a person, whether it's good or bad. You can go back and, and remember it for a minute and 
kind of like stir up your mind and be there. But then when that song's over, you can fucking let it go and let it live in that song until you until you turn it on and jam the fuck out again. Yeah. But that helps that helps me get through the day and and go, um, and take care of the real world and life because it doesn't slow down for you just because you feel bad. Right. Yeah. Everything's still going on. Yeah. I always thought that like crossing things off my to-do list would eventually mean there was like no more to-do list because back in high school it was like that, right? Yeah. Junior high, high school, even college a little bit, you know, you got a to-do list, but it just kind of gets crossed out. You know, you, you get to the end of it and you're like, ah, relaxation, it's recess time, bitches. Yeah. <laughs> you know, fucking recess. But dude, as an adult, it never it never stops. You're on a wheel. Dude, it just, it just keeps going. And the more you don't pay attention to that to-do list like opportunities just start disappearing yeah whatever that opportunity is you know doesn't matter what it is dude i've been trying to tile my house for like fucking four months now so i started it and then i'm like oh this sucks this is the worst dude (laughs) like trying to figure out as i go yeah and you got to move the fridge you got to move the oven like all these little things that you never thought about cut all the little corners so like that i've been hung up on that for fucking months you know just doing a little bit of time and every time i have somebody at the house i'm like uh, don't judge the floor. Come on, don't judge the floor, guys. You know, it's a work in progress. And the other day, my buddy's like, dude, haven't you been working on this shit for like a couple months? I'm like, dude, I'm enjoying the lake. Yeah. All right, calm down. Yeah. Uh, but, enjoying the Rona time while you have it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's been interesting to not be traveling so much because we used to be gone all the time. Yeah. Like literally all the fucking time, uh, which I loved, but... It was also really stressful because you don't get good sleep. You're right. always traveling. You're always loading in, loading out, taking your shit into the hotel every night, not going to bed till like four or five, and having to get up at eight, sometimes earlier to to drive to the next show. Do it again. So I've enjoyed it, and I think it's made me more creative, and it's definitely made me listen to people more because I have more time to like sit down and observe rather than just go 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 get the fuck out of my way. Yeah. It's really easy for me to get in that headspace personally. Like, I'm doing some shit. Get the fuck out of my way. Yeah. And it's pretty rude, but that's just like how shit goes sometimes. And that's part of being driven. You know what I mean? Yeah. You almost have to like mindfully take a step back to be able to do it. Yeah. And I think it comes with age too and experience. So me now at 27 as compared to even like 24, 23, that was a different human being. For sure. But I think that's healthy. Yeah, because if you're if you're the same person that you were when you were like 18, dude, you're fucked, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> grow the fuck up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, still have a good time and enjoy yourself, but find ways to grow with it and like have the, your big picture in mind, whether it's an album or whether it's building your own house. Yep, those kind of things, uh, or whether it's having a family. You know, but it's easy whenever I was young, especially to just get lost in like the self-indulgent moment, which I still love to do, and I still do that when I'm in the studio, dude. We wrote this song with, with Tyler um, the other day and, and Caleb. Uh, it's called Right now it's tentatively called Forever Unfaithful. Mm-hmm. But uh, we, we named that the title because um, that was one of the lines in there that, that I'd come up with, and I'm like, man, that just sounds gross and dirty. That sounds fucked up. And, of course, one of their wives walked down, and she's like, what's this one called? This sounds awesome. And we're like, forever unfaithful. And she was like, wow, guys, that's really self-indulgent. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, yeah. it's true, but it that's the thing, though. It makes you think. You're like, man, this is fucked up. Yeah. I don't know if I want to hear it. Forever unfaithful. That's, you know what I mean? Like, 
this person not have any morals writing this song? That's what I love about songwriting is that you can you can be like offensive and piss people off and you're just you're writing songs, you know yeah. what I mean? So, and it's that, creating a character talking. on a page, you know. That's literally what you're doing, yeah. yeah. And I love to get I I like to have something that people can talk about with that. Yeah. I think for me that's what Black Sheep is. That was my first step more towards that. I had a couple songs on Waves that came out before that that was yeah. really descriptive of people and um, told some stories, especially Payphone and, uh, yeah, Savannah coming down. I'm trying to think what else is on there that has, like, seven letters. There's a lot of stories on that record, but there's not a whole lot of, like, offensive shit that makes you go, what? Yeah. Holy crap, what was that? <laughs> and I'm trying to make those moments now more with music. That's my favorite thing. Whenever you say a line or whether it's a guitar riff or whatever in the whole room, it's like, oh, dude, that's it. That's when you know it's that's when you know it's on the, on the spot. Yeah. Whenever multiple people look at you with their eyes wide right at that moment, you're like, if you're doing that and you, you're hearing music all the time, this is going to be really eye-catching for somebody that has no idea where this is coming from or somebody yeah. in the crowd or like a first-time listener. Yeah. You know? Well, what all can you tell us about Black Sheep? Um, so how we, many songs? Yeah, 12 songs are on it. We've we put three out. Um, we were going to put it out earlier this year, but then we started the whole, you know, we had a bunch of tour dates that got canceled, obviously, earlier this year, so we held on to it. So, yeah, we'll, we'll wait to put out this podcast until after, but in November, we're going to announce um, our label deal. We got got our first record label deal. Yeah, congrats, man. Thanks, yeah. Um, pretty pumped about it, and they've opened a lot of doors as far as meeting new people. Like, that's why we're here for this songwriting thing is because they connected the dots for that and put everything together. So, yeah, it was my first time to be in the machine, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, <laughs> have to get a lawyer and yeah. have all these phone calls and, like, have an actual team around you, which is cool. It's just like learning how to give up uh, a little bit of control. Yeah like trust other people and it's been a weird time too because back in the regular times which should be now by the way we should be fucking living regular times now but yeah <laughs> yeah right um they'll fly you out and you get to meet the people in person for labels and agents yeah. and all that shit you don't you don't work with anybody unless you've sat down like this and had a conversation face to face right Mo- probably multiple of them because they're they're putting money into you they gotta, they gotta make sure you're not totally fucking crazy right right <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there's been a lot of Zoom calls and a lot of phone calls, and uh, it's it's honestly kept me on my game. But I'm uh, I'm enjoying giving up a little bit of that and just trying to focus more on the art rather than just the fucking business. Dude, I used to spend hours and hours and hours a week trying to fucking book shows. Yeah, just emailing like hundreds of fucking bands and people trying to get any opening spot possible. It's so much work. Yeah, because you got to go track down their tour schedule. God, I hope you can find their booking agent, their manager labels are listed somewhere, you know what I mean? And then uh, if you can't, hopefully you can get a hold of the venue and the venue has a little bit of push or like they like you or know you, but why should anybody give a fuck? And at the beginning, they shouldn't. You know, I really don't think anybody, there's there's so many artists, you know? Yeah. I'm saying the same thing about myself. Why should anybody give a fuck about what we're doing? But you have to figure out who you are and kind of build that up and I'm still figuring that out right now. Yeah. But yeah, you spend hours, dude, trying to get shows if that's what you want to do, and I think that's the right way to do it, because yeah. that's that's like testing yourself. And if you suck, how much do you want it? Yeah, and, and if you suck, you, you will know, because yeah. the crowd, especially if you're at a legit like venue, you know what I mean, where there's people up at the front of the stage, there's a little rail, that kind of shit, you yeah. know. 
not fucking steakhouse Thursday night thing, but if you're at a real show and you're playing that stuff, you're going to know if you're honest with yourself and you look at the crowd, are they looking at their fucking cell phones? They talking to each other over you? Are they looking at you enjoying it? Or maybe even kind of questioning if they like it. But if they're paying attention, you know, as compared to, especially these days, dude, how many fucking times do I stare at my phone in a day? If a band sucks, I'll just, whatever, go get a beer or yeah. probably stare at my phone, you know? So it's it's kind of a funny thing, too, to be in those opening spots because sometimes the bands that are headlining are so big and so, um, I don't know if prestigious is the right word, but their fans are so dedicated that they're only there for them. Yeah. That's what it's like. Like, um, just some guys are, like, they have a, almost like a Beatles-esque vibe around them. Yeah. Where people paid money to see them and they don't give a shit who's opening the show. They're going to stare at their phone until so-and-so gets on stage. Yeah. So, but you can't take that personally at all, and I don't. It's just kind of funny because you, it's kind of like a challenge, right? Yeah. Can I win this person over now? Because if I did, it's I fucking won. And if not, oh well. You know, I did my best. Yeah, how many people can you turn into your fans, right? Like, yeah. that's the key with opening gigs. Yeah. Is how many of these people can I get from looking at their phone to having their head up paying attention? Yeah. You know? Exactly. And that's how you build grassroots fans, man. And that's how you build those people that are going to tell their friends, oh, dude, you need to check out Austin Mead next time he's around. He had a great show. You oh, know? yeah. Absolutely. And And also, you know be honest like i was saying with yourself and do you are your songs getting people's attention if not then go to the drawing board dude does the band look like they're a band or they look like five substitute teachers yeah (laughs) up on the stage you know what what do you look like you know do you look like the way you want to sound because i think you should yeah and i had to figure that out i feel like now we kind of look like we i've always had long hair and tattoos and shit but we used to do kind of like the more country-ish thing because that was popular i thought everybody wore badass pearl snaps and boots and shit uh but dude i haven't worn like anything other than a black fucking rock and roll shirt on stage in a long time so i'm like doing the thing that the bands that i loved growing up did yeah you know but again if the songs aren't good it doesn't fucking matter yeah It, it doesn't matter at all I think, yeah, that's the litmus test is, are the songs there, right? Yeah. Because if they're not, even if you had a, if you had songs that were there and then you go back and they're not there again, that's going to fade really quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy how many people can put out an album and it'll be less popular than the one before that. Yeah. And then they'll go try to play their new stuff on a tour and people will be like, boo, I want to <laughs> hear fucking Wonderwall. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever yep. it is. Right. Yep. That can be your thing, and you got to be careful as a songwriter, too, to um, make sure that you're going to want to play that song in the future. Yeah, for sure. That might be your biggest song. You never know. It, yeah, you got to be careful, dude. Yep. I mean, if you're going to gimmick, you got to be dedicated to the gimmick. Yep. If not, you're going to be fucked, and you're going to have to be fake for your entire life. Yep. You know? Yeah, it's, so. uh, that's definitely something that I think people learn as they go, right? Like, what's your biggest song? Is that the song you really wanted to be your biggest song? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think the answer is always yes, but I right. think that it has to be an honest confidence in the song. Like, yeah, yeah. I own that. I fucking wrote it. Yep. You know, that that's what I would that's what I would prefer personally. Yeah. But dude, if if you put a song out there that you think is kind of cheesy or like you don't really like and then it does blow up, then you got to be fucking fake and fake smile or you I mean, 
either way, you're probably going to hate your life. Unless you just totally <laughs> quit and you just have mailbox money coming in and you're not doing any work, then it might be whatever. Yeah. But I mean, it, even at that point, like as an artist, you don't want that, right? You don't want that mailbox money. You want to be creating, right? Oh, absolutely. Like you said, if you're a true you artist, need that outlet. And that's another test that I would say is really good. It's like how many folks are really artists? Yeah. And how many folks just want to be popular and look cool and want the attention? Yeah. So, it, I think that for for us especially, like if we were just doing it for the attention, we probably would have quit a long time ago because we're like seven years into this thing and that's a long I'm either not worried about the attention or I'm the most desperate man in the world <laughs> so that's a it's a pretty uh clear line I think I think a lot of people get in and I was like this at the beginning too you make your first EP or your first record and you think oh shit this is going to change my life sometimes it does but a lot of times the first one doesn't right. do shit second one doesn't do shit yeah third one doesn't do shit fourth fourth one might have a little bump yeah. you know maybe it takes five seven records but the slower that climb, I think the slower the fall is on the other side. For sure. So I'm fine with that. Yeah. Because I'm Cause happy. You're, you're building those fans that are going to be with you forever, right? You hope so, yeah. Yeah. And then when you go on that rise, they're all going to come with you. And yeah. On the other side of that, if it goes the other way eventually, you know, then yeah. you, you'll you still have those people with you. Yeah, you the know? whole easy come, easy go thing is, is very true with, with music for sure. For sure, sure. yeah. But, that, I mean, that can go back to what we were talking about earlier with the bands. You know, some people stay committed to like their dudes and they figure it out or find new people or they sometimes you, they just shell out as much as they can for hired guns you know yeah sometimes you have to do that sometimes somebody in the band is busy for a week you know but you're not going to cancel a show unless it's the lead guy right i wouldn't but um yeah it's it's good to definitely know people and have multiple folks that like you have a friendship with that like could probably jam the fuck out with you yeah but it's hard to find people that you're willing to be in a van sleeping on the floor next to for right. fucking two months straight. Right. Because it sucks. Yeah, it's like a that, brotherhood. Yeah. You got to be willing to tell somebody to shut the fuck up, and you got to be willing to get told that multiple yeah. times. Yep. And not have a not have like a big attitude about it or just bounce back. Yeah. Because if not, you're going to get eaten alive. Yep. So there's just too many shows that have five people as opposed to 5,000, you yeah. know? Yeah. At the beginning especially. And it it's kind of like you gotta you gotta keep it keep it fun and it, it really remember why you're doing it. Yeah, you know it's easy to look out and if you have a bad night or a bad couple nights, be like fuck man nobody cares. Oh poor me. But it's like did we jam the fuck out? Yes. Did you nail a new solo that we never tried before? Fuck yeah you did because we were <laughs> having an experimental night. Those are fun. Those are a lot of fun sometimes. And and that's usually what makes you as tight as you want the band to be, right? Is nights mm-hmm. like that where you're really just you're giving it hell, or or you're practicing after, right? And even not on the road. Yeah, we generally practice like during the week before we go out. So we'll do long jams, a lot of songs that are four minutes long, you know, on the record. Live they might be six or seven minutes, but dude, sometimes at practice we do them for like fifteen minutes of a jam session. We'll just figure out. <laughs> what guitar parts work, what was a cool drum breakdown, and changing it up from the record so that when you show up, you're like, dude, I have never heard that before. I got to right. have that. Yeah. I'm hoping to do a live record soon. I really would like to because I think that we have a lot of changes in the live show that are cherries to find throughout yeah. there. You know. And man, Texas is in general is 
live records have been, you know, revolutionary and a lot of great venues down there, but also a lot of great artists throughout Texas that have had super successful live records for sure. Yeah. I love it. I mean, that's your fucking test for a band. Are you here or not? You know? So I just, I know it's a long time to get prepared for that because once you put it out, it's out there. Mm -hmm. So I would, I'm glad I haven't put out a live record yet. I'll tell you that. Yeah. (laughs) Because at the beginning I probably wanted to, it's like, it's cheap. It's easy to do. Just record us live and do it. But, Remember, like, that first impression that people get of you is the impression they're going to have for a long time. So you could do a live record that's kind of half-assed shitty, and then, like, a couple months later, a year later, put out a badass studio record, but all the people that heard that first one might not even give it a listen. Yeah. So. Yeah, timing's definitely a big thing, specifically in the music industry. It's hard to know that, too, and it's hard to, like, accept that as an artist, because when I make a badass song, I want it out now. Yeah. Like, this is the shit, and it already exists, so why are people not hearing it yet? Right. But that's what happens with records, man. For me, especially once you get a label involved in stuff, like, there's more planning to do. Because, you know, they're doing their job. Yep. They want it to be as big as possible and have as many people hear it as possible. Yep. I totally respect that. But it is also like, dude, I recorded this record like six months ago or like a year ago. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. (laughs) I'm playing these songs live, and I think that's been important, too, is building up a big enough catalog where you don't have to play every single song that you have. Right. Right. And now we're a couple records into this. So songs don't make it on the set list. I mean, I'm just, I'm not going to play a five hour show or whatever, you know? Right. (laughs) But, um, yeah, like figuring out if you got some new stuff, figuring out where to put that in the set list is important too. Yep. Cause if you play four new songs in a row that nobody knows and nobody's heard, they're, probably going to lose their attention by the second one yeah. if not the first so you got to hit them with something they know even if it's a cover yeah and then give them a new one like give them your best fucking cover and then play your best new song that you think so that people are kind of looking right yep. you know they're still kind of paying attention oh man this guy's good is this his song i've been trying to do that a little bit more lately and there's so many different realms to get into with with the show it's like how does the stage look not that you can really control that especially at the beginning even where we're at, you can't really control a whole lot of that, but you can do some some small things like small lighting and how does a drum set look. The drum set is a fucking centerpiece Yeah. for the stage. Your amps are a centerpiece. Yep. The way your guitar looks is something that people are going to remember you by. Yeah. Don't play a dorky-ass guitar. Yeah. <laughs> Don't wear a fucking, you know, like substitute teacher type attire. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, uh, Unless that's how you want to sound. Right. That's what Weezer did for a living, right? Yeah, Nerdy. for sure. Yep. They fucking own it. If that's what you want to do, then like do it. But whatever your brand is, like commit to it and do it and don't be fake about it. Yeah. That might, that might take like five years for you to find out. That's a scary thing. But you know, it's to each his own. I guess everything's different. But the live show is my favorite part of this. Yeah. Traveling sucks. Setup's okay. The songwriting is awesome actually. So late, I'll say that. Yeah. Like lately, especially the last two or three years, I've really enjoyed being in the studio, like probably most, and then and then live shows because it's like a test. Yeah. Can you play that shit? Do you remember all that shit? You remember all those lyrics? Can you hit the pitch? Yeah. Is your, are your strings gonna break? I don't know. Like it's it's like a gamble, you know. But yeah, the the creation of whatever the music is is really my favorite part lately. Yeah. Which I think it should be that way. Yeah, I think I think if you're trying to make a product that is 
elite and is dynamic and is making people want to come back and listen to it. That's how you do it. Yeah. And it's it's better in the long run than trying to push your way in through a handshake or yeah. Oh, I know so and so or my dad has this or that, you know. Right. Oh uh, yeah. Like nobody wants to hear that, that shit. That doesn't work and if it does it doesn't last. Yeah. Some people if it does work, it's probably somebody else who's that same way. Yeah. It's on somebody else who's pretty shallow, you know? Yeah. Oh, well, they can do this for me. Oh, yeah, 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 I can do this for you, you know? Mm-hmm. A little rub and tug back and forth, you know what I mean? <laughs> well, man, tell everybody where they can follow you guys on social media. It's just it's just my name, Austin Mead, M-E-A-D-E, so austinmead.com. We got whatever, everything, I think. I don't think we have TikTok. Well, I think there is a TikTok, but I never use that shit. <laughs> I don't so, understand that medium yet. I, I mean, I just, I haven't dived into it yet because I have, I stare at my phone too much already, yeah. I think. You can get in and, the hole on it. Yeah, like I got people telling me I need to create this and that on there, but I'm like, dude, that's a whole nother like life-sucking realm, <laughs> it you is. know, and do I have time to make a stupid-ass TikTok video? Do I have an hour to commit to my day to do that? Maybe yes, but... I'd rather go swing a golf club, dude, or like go out yeah. on the boat, like yep. something that's gonna last, or yeah. fucking write a song. You know, yep. if 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 I spent that much time dedicated every day to writing a song, dude, I'd have so many records out. They'd be unbelievable. Yeah. Just like the last three days here, four songs, three days, boom. How quick can you do it? Yep. Are they all gonna make the record? Probably not. But you got fucking four things you didn't have that could live on forever. You never know. Yeah. But I, I love it. I've had a great time. Well, dude, thanks so much for uh, coming and hanging out with us and for being on the podcast. I appreciate you. Yeah, absolutely. Building well, this into your day to day. Yeah, dude, we'll uh, we'll be back. I, Heck now, yeah. that, now that we've figured out, you know, our way around a little bit, I'm sure we'll be coming. I can't wait to get back here and play a show. Heck yeah, man! I can't wait for that too. Yeah. Let's get you uh, maybe to the basement. That's a great spot to start. Yeah, we were supposed to play there back in the summer, and then everything oh, yeah. happened. And All this bad stuff. Yeah, we played Basement East before. I really like that place. I think they're rebuilding now, right? Yeah, I think they are. Yeah, that was but, pretty cool. Uh, the basement is a little bit smaller, but it's super vibey. It's yeah. a cool spot. I like Exit In, too. We played Love our Exit In. first show ever. We got lucky, dude. First show ever in Nashville, we played Exit In, and then everybody's like, Dude, how the fuck did you get an accident? I'm like, <laughs> I don't know, dude. It just, it just happened. Yeah, that's but, a great, great venue too. Anyways, well, yeah, thanks for letting me talk about random shit for however long this has been. Dude, absolutely. Thank you, like I said, for for jumping on. And guys, make sure you go and stream and download Austin's stuff. Um, he has a new single that will be dropping right around the time that we put this out. Yeah, yeah, I think we're gonna put out a song called Deja Vu next. So you guys will be hearing this a couple weeks after we do it, but. Yeah, there's already Happier Alone, Dopamine Drop, and Cave In. Those three songs are on the new record, and I, I put those out earlier this year. Yeah. But there's a full 12-song record called Black Sheep that's coming out very soon, but we're going to put out a couple more singles, I think, first. Heck yeah. Uh, just to, um, I don't know, dude, like I have I have a lot of ideas with videos and stuff. I don't want those to get lost in the big sea of everything. Right. Whenever you put it out. Yep. So. Well, man, like I said, thanks for uh, for jumping on with me and... Uh, thanks for hanging out all week. Yeah, dude. Let's fucking get some brews. Yeah, get some more beers. <laughs> well, guys, like I said, make sure you subscribe to the podcast if you haven't yet, and rate us. That really helps us. And uh, this is Nikki T, and we'll see you in the front row. All the good old days. You don't have to explain it. It's just the way you are. That country's in your blood now, ain't it? Like a tattoo.
is drowning.